Good morning, church. Good morning. Whoa, we're one side heavy. I'm going to get rid of some things over here so I don't trip. Bright lights. Well, those of you that are here, it's good to see you here. Good to see your smiling faces. And those of you that are online, welcome to Williams Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church service. Now I want to welcome uh, Matthew and Logan, right? Lauren, I got it all wrong. Matthew and Lauren. First time I've met them, but they've been in Williams Lake for a while, and I'm glad to have met you. And look forward to getting to know you some more. I think everybody else I know in this congregation right now. Well, you know, the pastor, our pastor Tony, asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would speak and uh, he gave me a couple of dates that I could pick and this was a time I could uh, be ready for and, and be here. But, you know, as he asked me and after he asked me, I started wondering, you know, what can I say? that hasn't already been said, that is gonna make a difference in my life and hopefully, prayerfully yours. Is there something that we haven't talked about yet that we need to, that is gonna change our lives? So God has been speaking. I'll pick up the story where the pastor left it off last week. You know, and I believe as he's talked to us over the last couple of weeks and what he's been talking to us about witnessing, and uh, being a good soil, um, I believe that many of us have been hesitant or perhaps have not been doing what he's talked about because we have not accepted the key element that we need to for us to do what he's talked about. Or perhaps we've just accepted it to a bare minimum or maybe not even at all. Maybe we don't have it at all. Again, I want to remind us this morning that we are here in this moment still. We're still here, and so there's hope for you and me this morning. There's a danger in that we're here because, you know, we can get complacent and we're just here because it's the thing to do. We've grown up doing it, and so we are here. But as long as we are here, God will not stop speaking to us, and He will not give up on us. Do you know, and I've said this from the pulpit here before, but do you know that God knew from before He created this little planet that we would be here this morning? Just as we are? Think about that. We are here right now, and God knew before He made this planet who would be here and the circumstances we would find ourselves in. In this place, in this moment, just as we are. What you would look like, what you would be wearing, who you would be sitting next to, your whole life history. Isn't that amazing? And yet so often we worry and fret about all kinds of things, including things like COVID. Those watching on the live stream, if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, God knew that you would be looking at the screen and listening to this service this morning before this world was created. Amazing thought if you embrace it. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer once more as we invite God into our presence. Father in heaven, this morning we thank you for the privilege of prayer and we come before you because you ask us to. Because you have a blessing for us that you want to bestow upon us. Because you want us to embrace the truth, the, the uh, 
beautiful pearl of great price that the Bible talks about. Father, as we listen, I pray that your holy angels will surround this place, will surround each one of us, that your Holy Spirit will be heard, and that he will enter into one, each one of us, and that the words of Jesus will be spoken and will be heard and embraced and accepted and will change our lives forever. And we thank you for hearing our, and answering our prayers now because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've been reading through the New Testament again. I don't know for how many nth time, but I'm reading through it again. I'm in the book of uh, the First, Corinth First Corinthians. But a while back I was in the book of John. And uh, I'm discovering Jesus and seeing Jesus in a more clear way. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. You know, Satan has us chasing all kinds of rabbit trails. Even through the good things, you know, he, he'll get us to embrace, you know, Bible truth, but then he'll take us on a side tangent trying to derail us because he knows he has a short time and he's up to deceive us, to destroy us. And so at times we devote a lot of time even to the study of and the emphasis of the signs of the second coming of Jesus. And we are convinced that we need to do this because we need to know when we need to be ready for Jesus' second return. And we, need to, we think we need to know when He's coming back so that we will be ready ourselves when He does come. come. And we need to know, Jesus Himself said, study the signs. But the stark reality this morning is that we only always have just right now. Do you realize that? We only have the moment that we're in. We have now. But now is all that we really need for the day. This is good news. Because if we're ready for Jesus' second return today, and every day, we will always be ready. And when He comes, we will be glad to meet Him. We need to know the signs. Jesus himself said, when you see these signs, know that the kingdom of God is near. Why? Well, he knows us. He knows that we are eternal and habitual procrastinators. Have you heard the term manana? Anybody speak Spanish in the congregation or online? Have you heard the word manana? It means tomorrow. There's always tomorrow, isn't there? Oh, I can put it out for today, because it'll happen. I'll, I'll make a choice tomorrow. Do we have tomorrow? We might, but we may not. You know, again, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But we have to be brutally, honestly willing to look at ourselves every morning in the mirror and say, Lucas, are you a Christian? Heidi, are you a Christian? Heather, are you a Christian? Am I really a Christian? You know, Paul says, said long, long ago, he said, I die daily. Why did he say that? You know, if you're not a Christian, you're contemplating or looking at Christianity in the audience or in, online. Should I be a Christian, you might ask? Or why should I be a Christian? What difference does it make? Don't I just need to be a good person? So what defines a Christian anyway? You know, there's a fair bit in the Bible, in the Bible's New Testament, 
about Jesus performing miracles. You probably remember some of them offhand when I say that. And there's a lot of things that talk about a lot of stories, a lot of accounts. They're not really stories, we call them stories. But they're accounts of history of what has happened when Jesus lived here and he performed miracles. But who is this Jesus of the Bible anyway? Have you ever stopped to think why Jesus performed miracles? I mean, why he really performed miracles. He did perform miracles, didn't he? You know, he turned physical water into grape juice. You know, he took a um, not-so-healthy person or an ill person, and he healed it, physically healed it. But why did he heal him? Because, you know, at some point later, he would contract some other illness anyway. So he resurrected people from the dead. I mean, literally raised them from the dead. They came to life. Why did he do that? They're going to die again anyway. They've died since Jesus has gone back to heaven. So why did he do these things? You know, the, John, the disciples of John come to him one day towards the end of his life. He happens to be locked up in prison. And they tell him about the things that Jesus was doing. You know, he's, he's healed the centurion's son. You know, he raised the dead woman's, dead mother's son to life. John the Baptist is in, in uh, prison, drowning at this point. And so he sends two of his disciples back to Jesus with a question. What was the question that John had for Jesus to his disciples? Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? You know, this is John the Baptist who preached ahead of Jesus' coming. This was his cousin. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet he's in prison doubting. So the disciples go to Jesus, and Jesus sends a message to John. Uh, to John, yes, who's in prison. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus' words are recorded. Go tell John the signs that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, that the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead here, the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Ultimately, why did Jesus perform miracles? Have you asked yourself that question before? Have you thought about that? Have you spent some time thinking about that? You know, as I was reading through the Gospel of John, something new popped out at me. And you may or may not have seen this, and that's why I want to share this with you. Why did Jesus perform miracles, ultimately? Yes, we know there's accounts and you know, there's recordings of, of Jesus having you know, been said of him that he was compassionate. He cared, he genuinely cared about people. After all, he came to this world to save us. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter, not Luke chapter, John chapter 11, and we're going to read three verses, John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 3 and 4, and then 41 and 43. John chapter 11, verse 3. Therefore the sisters sent to him, this is, these are the Lazarus sisters, Mary and Martha. Lord, behold, he who we love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through this. 
skip over to verse number 41, where it says, Then they took away the, the stone from the place where the dead, was, dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his voice and his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Do you see something new in there that you haven't seen maybe before about why Jesus performed miracles? What is Jesus praying to his Father? That they may believe that you have sent me. Now after Jesus prays that prayer, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the guy who gets up in the, in the tomb and he walks out and they have to unbandage him and all the rest of the story. But Jesus performed that miracle so that those people present there would know that he was not an ordinary man, that he was somebody special, that he was the Son of God. Do you this morning really know who Jesus is? Are you really interested in Jesus' real mission? Do you even care? But to all appearances, we don't. What makes me say that? Well, here's where we pick up the story from what Pastor Biscone's been talking about. How many followers of Jesus, new followers of Jesus, have joined this church in the last year? I'm talking about this last calendar year. Can you count up on your one hand how many people have joined this church? I'll go easy on you. How about over the last five years? Maybe even easier. How about over the last ten years? Is the Lord adding daily to this local congregation those who are being saved? Because that's what happened in the early church, in the book of Acts. You know, we have the record that daily the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. So if we, the answer to our question is no, then why not? Are we saved ourselves? Are we true followers of Jesus? Are we true Christians? Do we really know who Jesus is? Are we really interested in his good mission? Do we even care? So here's where I pick up the story from the scripture reading. A crowd meets Jesus on the other side of the lake. You know, he was there the day before, and he crosses over in a boat, and then they come around or come across in other boats. And on the following morning, the Bible record says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where do you come from? Uh, how did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you. Now if you notice, Jesus isn't really answering their question. How did you get here is what the question was. And he answers, he said, most assuredly or truly, truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now it's sort of a paradox when you think about it. What did you just tell them? Well, you don't believe in me because of the, or you didn't come here because, or you don't follow me, because of the signs, but because you ate the bread and are filled. Do you remember what happened there? Well, let's go back to, because 
to understand what Jesus is really talking to the crowd about and to his disciples because they were there too, we need to understand the setting of this story. So if you go back over the last few chapters, you know, Jesus starts his ministry at the wedding of uh, Cana. He changes water into juice. Jesus cleanses the temple for the first time. Then in John chapter 3, he had his famous discourse with Nicodemus by night, or probably the best known verse it was uh, in all of the earth is from. Then Jesus, or sorry, John the Baptist exalts Christ. The woman of Samaria meets him at the well, Jesus, meets her Messiah. Then the nobleman's son is healed. The man at the pool of Bethesda is healed. And then we have the feeding of the 5,000. You know, this, this, the context of these three verses is Jesus just fed this same crowd the day before by the lake with five loaves and two fishes. Now, the Bible says that there were 5,000 men there that he fed. That means that if there, you know, some of them had wives and children, there was at least probably like 15 or 20,000 people. Do you think that was possible to feed them with five loaves and two fishes? Wasn't that a miracle that Jesus performed before their very eyes? And then he says, you know, you come to me because I fed you and you're filled, and you don't come to me because of the signs. Wasn't that a sign that Jesus was the Son of God? Well, it should have been to the crowd, but it wasn't, because this is Jesus' response to him. You know, you don't come to me because for who I am, but you come to me because I filled your belly. You know, Jesus said back then, therefore, when Jesus perceived, well, he didn't say, but this is the record. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, if you read Ellen White, he commands them with, with uh, authority that they've never seen, both the crowd and the disciples. The disciples get in the boat and start out over the lake, just like he told them, and he disperses the crowd, and then he goes up into the mountain by himself alone. What did he go up to the mountain for Jesus? What did? He went up into the mountain by himself to pray. Was he praying for himself? No. He was praying for the disciples and he was praying for the crowd that was there that had seen and experienced this miracle. He prayed for those who had seen a revelation of something that they had never seen before. But then later that night, the disciples see him walk on water, and they are actually afraid that he's an evil ghost coming to destroy them. But he ends up saving Peter, you know, when he, Peter comes out of the boat, you know the story. And then he calms the storm, and immediately, as he gets in the boat, they find themselves on the other side of the lake. And here's where we pick up the story again. Because following Jesus telling the crowd that they should partake of the food that is good unto everlasting life, he says, Then they said unto him in response to this statement, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, This is the work of God. Listen carefully. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Believe me for who I am, not what I do for you. Believe me that I'm the Son of God. If you uh, read Spirit of Prophecy, she says, 
But they had a different reason why they accepted that. You know, Jesus goes on to have a dialogue with him, and he goes on to say that he is the bread of life, the bread of God that has come down from heaven. In verse 34, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet not believed. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of God and believes in him may have what? Everlasting life. You know, the signs that Jesus performed point to him as the Son who has come from heaven from the Father. He is the bread of life, he says. Accept him for who he is. Not as just someone who's going to fill your stomach. But what he will actually ultimately do and he's willing to and longing to do. You know, the signs that Jesus performed, the miracles that he performed, are proof and evidence that Jesus was and is still God. That's why he wants us to come to him. But you know, Jesus came to his own, and his own did receive him not. Oh yes, they were ready to receive him, but as we just saw, they were ready to receive him to make him king. What kind of a king were they going to make him? Well, the king of Judah, who was going to create an earthly paradise for them. You know, he was going to make a spot for them where there was a land flowing with milk and honey. Safe. Safety from all kinds of things. You know, he was going to break the Roman oppression. He was going to make Israel earthly dominion. But they were not ready to accept him as the kind of a king that he wanted to be and as the Lord of their lives. To deliver them from unbelief, to restore in them God's image to restore them back into His image and His likeness. You know, the Holy Scriptures refer to Jesus as, in fact, Jesus Himself refers to Himself, help me out, as what? As who? The Word, the Light, the Truth, the Way, the Life. You know, in John chapter 1, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? With God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Do we today, on July 11, 2020, long to have miracles happen in our lives for physical food and clothing and wealth and physical health, fame, popularity, prosperity? Now that's what we often ask for in uh, prayer requests, though, if you watch carefully and listen carefully. You know, we want freedom from governmental control and oppression and taxation, all kinds of things. Do we really want Jesus for who He is? You know, the Bible teaches that Jesus was the Christ. You know, that word Christ means the anointed one. What, was he, what does that mean? 
Well, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed by what? By who? The devil. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, rescuing souls from the clutches of the enemy. Jesus was also Savior. Remember that story when, when the angel comes to Joseph and then Gabriel comes to Mary before Jesus is born? And he says, you shall have a son, and his name shall be called what? Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Are you ready to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life? To have him sit on the throne of your heart and mine? Are you ready to say, I accept you for who you are? Not just the one who's going to give me physical prosperity and physical comfort, but the ultimate of what Jesus is wanting to give us, and that is to give us a new heart, to in fact reign in our hearts and minds. You know, Jesus is the seed that Pastor Tony's been telling us about. You know, this book, the Bible, is seed, but it's lowercase seed, which speaks of the capital S seed, which is Jesus. Remember back in Genesis? You know, you should, uh, God speaking to uh, Satan? And she shall have seed, and he shall what? do what? He shall bruise your head. He will destroy you. Are you willing to accept the seed that the Bible talks about? Jesus into your heart and mind? Are you willing to be that good soil that the pastor has been talking to us about? Are you willing to let Jesus be the Lord of your life? Accepting him as the Son of God, God himself. Allowing Him to do what He has promised and will do if we continue to say yes. To restore us into his, back into His likeness, into His image. Well, if we do, or if we have, or if we have begun to, then we'll do what Jesus did. You know, there's this amazing, amazing promise that Jesus gives us. I would say this is the most amazing promise that is recorded in all the Bible, and they are Jesus' words recorded for you and me. You'll know when I start saying it. And you'll understand why it's so amazing. I'm hoping you will. Because it is truly the most amazing statement. Jesus said to the disciples one day, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, The works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than I you will do. Because I go to the Father. Isn't that amazing? When you think about that, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that you and I, living in 2020, it is possible for us to do the same work that Jesus did, and not in fact just the same work as Jesus did, but greater work than He did. How's that possible? But that one little phrase at the end that says, because I go to the Father. Because what happened when Jesus went back to the Father after His resurrection? The Holy Spirit was dispensed. What drove Jesus to the cross when He lived here? Well, we don't have to guess. The Bible tells us. For the joy, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. What was that joy? It's you and me sitting in the pews this morning. It's you and me. It's you guys online listening to this service. That was the joy that was set before Jesus and why He went to the cross for you and me. 
Ellen White says, the only ambition of the early believers was to reveal the likeness of Christ's character and to labor for the enlargement of His kingdom. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Are you and I this morning of one heart and one soul? Is our only ambition to reflect the character, character of Christ to the world and to, for the enlargement of His kingdom? Is that your only ambition? You know, I only added this this morning because God told me to. Listen to what Ellen White says in Thessalonians Volume 7. This is Spirit of Prophecy. The formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort has been presented to me by one who cannot err. That's by God. If there's a large number in the church, let the members be formed into small companies to work not only for the believers or for the church members, but for unbelievers as well. Labor to receive the seed. That is our work. Our work is to accept Him who is the seed. We are to labor to receive the seed. To be the good soil where that seed will germinate. And then to let the love of God shine through us into the most utter darkest, darkest parts of this world. We need to work as Jesus did. You know, perhaps this whole COVID thing is not so bad. Perhaps it's a way of God showing us and reminding us again of what we ought to be doing and how we ought to be doing it because we haven't been for centuries. We've got small groups working for the church members and for the unbelievers as well. You need to follow Jesus' example. You know, when Jesus lived here, He lived a life of example for you and me. You know, it's hard for us as human beings. Why? Because often self stands in the way. But if we yield to Christ, if we know and accept Him for who He is, it's simple and it's easy. It's not difficult at all. Do you know what, how Jesus worked? You've probably heard this statement. You've probably maybe read it before. I know you've heard it because you've heard, it, you've heard me say it from this pulpit before. I'm going to remind you again. Christ's method alone. How many methods? Five? Two? Ten? How many methods does she say? Christ's method alone. There's only one. Will give true success in reaching the people. Now, do we have to stand up and preach an evangelistic series? Is that what Jesus is saying? Or is that what I'm is saying? Listen carefully. See if you see the resemblance there of a revival of an evangelistic series. Or knocking on people's doors with tracts. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. Is that hard to do for you and me? Do we really have genuine interest in other people's lives? In our loved ones, in our neighbors, in our co-workers? The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. Well, I hope we do. But on the other hand, have we been? Because there would be more of us here this morning. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them. Does that sound like a difficult thing to do? Do you, do you have to know every doctrine and every verse for that doctrine from the Bible to do this method? Jesus showed his sympathy to those he cared for. Then he ministered to them without need that they had. 
Guess what happened next? He won their confidence. Then he made them follow me. Does that sound like an evangelistic series for you and me? Well, it might lead to one, and I hope it does, because Jesus preached on the mountainside. But his most favorite method was to reach out to people because he was compassionate with them, he had a genuine interest in them. He sympathized with their need, he met their need, won their confidence by doing so, and then he said, follow me. You know, and when, when we win people's trust into this method, do you think when we tell them, hey, do you want to have a Bible study? No, Jesus changed my life. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think will happen, Heather? You're smiling. It's going to work. It works. And Jesus did it. The disciples did it. That's how, they were. That's how the early church did it. It worked. You know, the greatest evidence for the existence of God is a changed life. Did you realize that? We talked about that in Sabbath school between the two services. The greatest evidence for the existence of God is a changed life. An alcoholic is not capable of changing himself. A drug addict or a serial killer cannot change himself even though they want to. But God can and has and will continue. Do you know that the greatest evidence for the, a changed life is love and action? That's what we're talking about. Christ's method alone will give true success. And if we have not been doing it, why not? I mean, it's a serious question. It's a heavy duty question. Is it possible that we have not known who Jesus was? So are you willing to let Jesus be the Lord of your life this morning? Wherever you are, out there in the world or in this congregation? To use you as an instrument in His hands? To enlarge His kingdom on earth while we have time? What is so dear to you to give up? What are you afraid of giving up? What are you unwilling to give up to do this? I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, friends, what else will it take besides coronavirus for us to wake up and smell the coffee, excuse me, not smell the coffee, smell the tea, <laughs> but to come to reality of what our mission is, who we are, what we should be doing. And if we're not, it's just a sign of the fact that we are not Christians, not true Christians, according to the Bible. Because if we had Jesus in our hearts, nobody needs to tell us how to do evangelism and what to do. Have you surrendered fully all to Him? Are you willing to serve Him wholeheartedly? If you have never looked at Jesus, if you're a non-believer right now, or if you're a believer and you've never seen Jesus in the way that He's presented to you this morning, but want to, or are you now ready to? Seeing Jesus more clearly for who He is, not just the one who physically sustains us and then who uh, provides for our everyday needs. Because guess what? I want to ask you a question. I asked this in the first service. Do you guys like my suit? It's a pretty nice suit, isn't it? Uh, I like it. That's why I bought it. I like this tie and the white shirt. I did a pretty good job for the fact that I'm a single guy. Picking, you know, matching outfit. But the reality is that even these clothes are not making it to heaven with me. Your clothes aren't making it either. Nothing in this world that we have and we hold dearly is going to go up there. And if we hold it dearly until Jesus comes, we're not going there. Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? Then go to your knees in a uh, private place where you normally go. Go into the Word. You know, the lowercase word, 
and in it find the capital W word, Jesus, because this is a testimony of Jesus. Go to the word and listen for a still small voice. Perhaps you might want to pick up this little book again, Steps to Christ. It changed my life and it's still changing it. Maybe you ought to read it again. Whether you're a believer or not, find this little book, talk to somebody. If you know me or if you want it, I've got copies of this, I'd be glad to give you one. How about this one, More Than a Carpenter? Who's ever heard of this little book? It's a historical study for the existence of Jesus here on this planet. His coming, His death, His resurrection. Secular history records it. When we embrace Jesus for who He is, and I invite you to accept Him today for who He is. Maybe you've never believed in Him. Maybe you didn't even heard the word Jesus before. But if you're hearing it now, you owe it to yourself to find out. And I'll promise you that miracles will begin to take place in your life and in the lives of those around you. It'll be evident that you have been with Jesus. Because what compels us to do this? Paul says, for the love of Christ compels us, and we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And we died. That we who live no longer live to ourselves, but for Him who died for us and rose again. That was Paul's mission, and that better be our mission if we want to be ready for Jesus to come. And He's coming back very soon. Do you know when it's all said and done, and when we see that small cloud appear in the clouds of heaven, at that time and date, there'll be two classes of people on this earth. Only two. There won't be three or four. There'll be only two. There'll be those who believe in Jesus and have accepted Him, and they'll reap eternal life. There'll be those who have rejected Jesus, do not believe in Him, and will go into eternal death. Brothers and sisters, friends, whether you accept Jesus or not ever, or the world does, or anybody has or will, Jesus died for all of us. Jesus died for humanity. Every human being that's walked on this face of this earth and will, till Jesus comes, He has died for them, whether they will accept Him or not. Jesus paid it all. Jesus didn't just take, his, take our sins on Him. Jesus became sin for us, Paul says. For God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God offers us His divine nature. And He says, I will change your life and others' lives through you. Are you willing? If you choose Jesus this morning again, because it's a daily experience, it's a, in fact a moment-by-moment moment experience. If you choose Jesus this morning, well, I want to invite you to stand with me. Stand only if you're serious about this. Stand with me in commitment to Christ. In a new way because you've seen Him in a clear way. I want to invite you to stand with me wherever you are. You might be watching in Mongolia or Russia or Nova Scotia or just in Williams Lake. Stand with me. It doesn't matter who sees it. God will. I want, to invite, I want to invite you to stand in commitment that you will live as Jesus lived. I want you to commit to what Paul committed to. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know that the dead shall live again? They'll live now and forever. You know, we've been dead to sin. We've been dead in sin. But Jesus is saying, die in sin and be alive in me. In the faith of Jesus. Are you willing to commit to live by the faith of Jesus? He lived a life of example. Are you willing to work and do the work that Jesus worked? You will never be the same, nor will this world be, and Jesus will soon appear. Let's bow our heads by prayer. I love you, Heavenly Father. We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your capital W word, for Jesus, your son, your only son. And you were willing to empty yourself and all of heaven, and he was willing to empty himself and come to this earth and to be one of us, to reveal your character to us, to help us understand who He was and is and always will be, that He is your Son, that He will perform miracles in our lives, that He will change us now and forevermore. Lord, as we stand in commitment to Him and to you, we pray that you'll seal our commitment, lead and guide us every moment of our lives till Jesus comes. And help us to be instruments in your hands, starting as we leave this church. Father, those that are hesitant to make their choice to follow Jesus, to accept Him as your Son, I pray that your Holy Spirit, your Holy Angels will surround them, your Holy Spirit will move on their hearts and minds, that they will be willing to give you a chance, that they will at least take the, the time to, to uh, investigate who you are. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, they will be convicted and they too will be ready to experience joy and peace that passes all understanding now and throughout the ceaseless age of eternity. And we thank you and praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.